Well, everyone wants a good life. Ask, ask anyone. Ask your kids. Ask your family. Maybe one of your students or someone at work. Actually, I dare you. Next time you're out for coffee with one of your friends, or maybe on, on, a, on a break at work, you sit down with your tuna fish sandwich, just out of the blue, say, what do you want out of life? What do you want out of life? And after you get past all the comments about winning lotteries and dating supermodels, and after you cut through all the fluff of toys and celebrity and white picket fences, you'll get down, I think, if they're honest, to the stuff that really matters in life. People want a family that loves each other. People want a marriage that lasts, not just that drags on forever, but actually flourishes with a, with a spouse that's passionate and faithful to them. People want to experience meaningful and, let's hope, enjoyable work. Work that means something to them. Work that connects with their heart and their soul and, and maybe even, even makes a difference in the world and actually pays them enough money to cover the necessary, important things in life. What do people want in their life? They want good friendships. They want the experience of laughter and joy. People want to experience a sense of well-being, of physical health, of purpose in life, People want to have a good reputation, even a reputation that goes beyond the grave, a legacy that lasts. These are the kind of things that people want. People want their kids and their grandkids to actually enjoy being around them later on in life. Everyone wants a good life. I'm convinced of it. And yet, so many don't experience it. Why? I mean, why do so many marriages fail? Why is work often such a drag? Why are we so lonely? Why are so many people suffocating under massive debt loads? Why do we chase after things again and again that we know, really, we know they don't give us meaning and yet we go after them? Why are there families that don't even speak to one another? Siblings that haven't spoken for ten years. Why does this exist? If everyone wants to live a good life, Why don't they? Well, I think it's because a good life doesn't just happen to people by accident. Good marriages, healthy bodies, financial stability, deep friendships, loving kids, they don't just appear out of thin air. A good life has to be vigorously pursued. A good life needs to be intentionally worked. The truth is, the difference between a good life And a bad one can often, not always, obviously, but often be traced to the types of choices people make. Choices that can be characterized as healthy or unhealthy. As smart or stupid. Wise or foolish. This contrast between a good life and a bad one is actually the central message to the book of Proverbs. This famous collection of wise sayings that can be found in the Bible. Most of the Proverbs are set up to deliberately contrast choices that lead to life and choices that lead to death. And through this, leading us, if we're willing, to understand what wisdom really looks like so that we can be wise in life. In short, the Proverbs answer this question, how do we live a good life? And the answer they give 
is by choosing to live wisely. And how do we do that? How do we choose to live wisely? By becoming students of the wise. Proverbs 13.20 says, Walk with the wise and become wise. For a companion of fools suffers harm. Some of you can remember back in the foolish days when you were surrounded by a group of friends who you look back now and think, I can't believe we lived through that. You know, daring each other to jump off too high cliffs. Rolling big rocks down hills. Setting cars on fire. Shooting them. I mean, all the things that farm kids... Or was that just me? (laughs) Companions of fools can suffer harm, but when we walk with the wise, we become wise. Today we're launching our summer series on the Proverbs. It's going to stretch through the summer, and we cast it under the title of Living the Proverbial Good Life. And today I'm just going to introduce the series, and then each week we're going to look at a different way that the book of Proverbs answers the question, how do I live a good life? How do I experience all the goodness that God has created us to experience in this life? The Proverbs cover an amazing spectrum of life's reality, and as I look into them, I'm able to grow in wisdom. We are able to grow in wisdom. You see, and this is so encouraging, this is really important here, Just because you've made bad choices in the past, what would be considered even foolish choices, just because you've made those in the past doesn't mean we're doomed to make them in the future. Your past doesn't need to determine that. And this is the message of the Proverbs, actually. This is why they're written. It's the message of Jesus. That your past doesn't need to determine your future. If you're willing, the Proverbs would say, you can become wise. If we want to, we can grow toward the good life that, in our heart of hearts, when we're honest, we all want. But here's the problem. When it comes to living the good life, we often hear contradictory messages. People around us, friends, family, our media, our culture, even our own habits, our desires. From every direction, we get a different opinion on how exactly you should live the good life. Like, how do you, what do you have to do? How do you attain that? What does it mean? What does does a good life even mean? How do you get there? We receive a lot of contradictory messages. Take finances, for example. We are presented with a lot of different messages about money, right? How to spend it, how to save it, whether you should or should not give it away, how to earn it. We're swimming in a culture, for example, that says, if you can afford the monthly payment, you deserve it. Right? We do. We live, that's the kind of culture. If you can afford the monthly payment, go ahead. Treat yourself. You've been abstaining from buying for at least five days. Go and buy that thing. You can afford the monthly payment. But we also know from others in our lives, perhaps, and I think there's a message we'll hear in the Proverbs, that if you don't want to be a slave, then you better save, right? We hear that. Which option's wise? Which option's foolish? Both of them are presented to us as ways that we can achieve the good life. How about our marriage relationships? We often hear a message that goes something like this. When love seems gone, move on. Right? Move on, folks. You deserve better. But, we also hear another message. That when love seems gone, love on. Which one's wise? Which one's foolish? One more example. How we make decisions. Many people will just say, 
do what's right for you. Go with your heart. Come on, just, just do what feels right. And that's how we attain the good life. But is that wisdom? Will that lead you to a good life? Or does wisdom not force us to take a few more things into account than just our desires? What God wants. Who we are as people. The commitments we've made. Where that road will ultimately lead us. How our actions will affect others, even future generations. All around us we hear different messages about how we should live to attain this good life that we all want. And clarity comes in knowing where those choices lead Because as we're reminded in the Proverbs twice, same proverb listed two times, Proverbs 14, well, it's on the screen. There's a way that appears to be right, but in the end, it leads to death. And I think in the messages that we receive over and over again, maybe from friends, maybe from even your own parents, maybe from family members, maybe from people at work, maybe in the media or the culture, we often are presented with an image that seems to be right. But wisdom reveals that though it seems to be right, it ends in death. If we want to experience the truly good life that God, I believe, desires for us, we need to be able to choose the right path. And we can only do that if we grow in wisdom. And that's the goal of this whole message series over the summer, that we would each, one of us, grow in wisdom. There's going to be specific areas that really apply to your life. There are going to be other areas that are maybe less applicable, but each one of us can grow in wisdom. Each one of us can live toward the good life that God intended and, I think, be able to help others do the same, maybe even as it applies to our own youth. So let's talk just for a few minutes today about the Proverbs, just to help us get an idea of what's going on. Some of you are really familiar with the Proverbs. You've been reading them all your life. You can quote. I could ask right now. Some of you could just like quote a few to me. I know that. Others of you have never read it before. This is like brand new material. You're going to love it. You're in for a treat. You really are. There's, there's Proverbs in there that make you laugh out loud. There's Proverbs in there that make you cringe. There's Proverbs in there that offend your 21st century sensibilities. It's all there. It's great stuff. Uh, And I actually think, for those of you who are new into it, this is going to be a great series to to enjoy, especially if you're just exploring the Bible for the first time. And maybe some of you, you've been trying to figure out what it means to follow Jesus, and you're not actually sure yet. In fact, you're not confident at all that this Bible isn't just a book. Well, you're in for a treat, too. So I want to encourage you over the summer... You take in this book of Proverbs. You take in these things. You see where it will lead. And even if you aren't too sure about Jesus yet, you're actually going to get a lot out of this. There's some real practical wisdom and advice and insight that I think you'll experience as well for all of us. The Proverbs are really just a collection of wise sayings. And they lay out for us the essence of a good life. They cover an incredible range of topics from money to marriage to, to work to honesty, discipline, generosity, Uh, They contain pithy statements and and humorous images and insightful observations that drill down to the bedrock of a life well-lived. Many of the Proverbs, as I already mentioned, deliberately contrast the way of foolishness with the way of wisdom, often right in the same verse. And so you'll have verses that are coupled together where you can see the difference right there. Others present a picture of what happens when people live in wisdom or pursue folly. Here's a couple of quick examples where these, this coupling I'm mentioning, where the first line and the second line are contrasted, they contrast wise and foolish. The first one is, the wise store up knowledge, but the mouth of a fool invites ruin. Have you ever been the person whose mouth invited ruin? I have. Yeah. 
How about this one? Gossip betray, gossips betray a confidence, but the trustworthy keep a secret. All through the Proverbs, you have this kind of contrast between what is wisdom and what will ultimately lead to a better life, a good life, and what is foolishness and leads to death. Examples of coupling that reinforce a theme where it's not so much a contrast within, but the, the second statement reinforces it is like this one. I love this. As vinegar to the teeth and smoke to the eyes, so are sluggards to those who send them. Has anyone ever had that experience? Or maybe you were you remembering back when you were 15 and you were the sluggard. And you're, you're, you're wanting to call right now to your dad and say, I'm sorry I was vinegar to your teeth and smoke to your eyes, Dad. <clears throat> There's another one. The wise in heart are called discerning and gracious words promote instruction. All through the Proverbs, we see this kind of coupling that goes on. And as readers of the Proverbs, we can learn wisdom by walking with the wise toward the good life that God, God intended. By taking these Proverbs in, by turning them over in our minds, by thinking of ways that we've been one or been the other, or ways this challenges us, by applying our hearts to learn their wisdom, we'll begin to see our own lives, our own actions, our own speech, our own relationships a bit differently. And we'll evaluate them according to wisdom so that we can live more wisely. The first seven verses of Proverbs sum up the purpose of really this whole collection. Here it is. The Proverbs of Solomon, son of David, king of Israel. He wrote a lot of the, a lot of the Proverbs. Um, there's uh, a good portion of them. There's some others that wrote them as well. You'll see that when you read the collection. Here's the purpose. The Proverbs are for gaining wisdom and instruction, for understanding words of insight, for receiving instruction in prudent behavior, doing what is right and just and fair, for giving prudence to those who are simple, knowledge and discretion to the young, let the wise listen and add to their learning, and let the discerning get guidance for understanding proverbs and parables, the sayings and riddles of the wise. And then here's the super important opening verse. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. Let's focus in on that last verse, verse 7. And I, I want to pass these out because what we're going to try to do every week is give one of these to everyone. Just pass them along. And uh, it's kind of a reminder for you in the week. This is going to be our focus verse to, for today. Just pass them along. This is going to be our focus verse today. So let's focus on this for a moment. As we think about the Proverbs, what does this opening verse share for us? Well, the first thing it says is that we need to fear God first. Everything starts with our relationship. Everything's based on a right relationship with God. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. And the purpose of Proverbs is to lead us deeper into true, wise living, true knowledge. Sometimes this word fear really throws people off, especially if you're newer to the Bible and you have one association with the word fear. And it's, it's sort of quaking in your boots I'm fearful of being abused. I want to run away. That kind of feeling. The most common command in Scripture, though, usually from the mouth of God or the mouth of one of His angels, is do not fear. Don't be afraid. Whenever an angel shows up or God shows up, that's usually what He has to say right off the bat, right? Because we're all quaking in fear. Don't be afraid. Fear in this context, and the way it's used in the book of Proverbs, is more nuanced than what we usually hear. It's about Knowing who God truly is. Fear means that we're humbly, reverently, worshipfully acknowledging God as the source of all goodness and grace. 
This is fear, reverent awe, humble worship, holy focus. And Proverbs wants to say that this is the foundation of true wisdom. This is the foundation of a truly good life. It's square one, you could say, for any life worth living. And here's the message. We'll never experience the full goodness in life if we don't acknowledge the full goodness of God. That's where it all starts. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Fear God first. The second is that fools never fear. (laughs) More ways than one. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. And as we're going to see through the Proverbs, in order to grow in wisdom, in order to live the good life, we must be willing to humbly learn. In order to make wise financial decisions, in order to flourish in our relationships, in order to experience God's goodness, we must be willing to accept correction, which is hard for some of us, right? Especially maybe in the areas where we most need it. Because it's in those areas we feel so much sensitivity that to receive any correction means to admit I have a problem and, you know, down goes the cycle. Fools, as the Proverbs will reinforce many times over, reject instruction, carte blanche. They resist instruction. They run away from the truth about themselves, the truth about their situation, the truth about their marriage, the truth about their finances, the truth about their, their, their mouths that don't stop talking, the, the truth about their, their plans and how, the way they're going to lead them to ruin. They, they resist that. They run away. And so the challenge for us to learn wisdom is to be people who are humbly learning. And it really struck me as I was preparing uh, for this series that self-awareness is going to be so key for us as we go through the Proverbs. That unless we're willing to actually use the Proverbs as a mirror and look at our own lives and our own relationships, it's going to be difficult for us to really grow in wisdom. Unless I'm willing to admit that I need to grow, that I've been foolish or that I have a pattern of foolishness in my life. Maybe other areas where I'm really wise. But in this certain area, I'm acting more like a fool. Unless I'm willing to admit that, I'm never going to be able to learn and grow. If I think I have everything I need, that I can't learn from anyone, then I won't. Proverbs 26.12 says, Do you see people who are wise in their own eyes? There's more hope for fools than for them. Ouch! And so we want to be the kind of people, as we're going through Proverbs this summer, individually, here as we gather, be people that say, you know what? I don't want to be wise in my own eyes. And Jesus, if there's an area of my life that I've been living more foolishly, making decisions that lead to death, then reveal that to me so that I can grow in wisdom. I'd like to offer you one more sort of helpful tip for reading Proverbs. I summarize it this way. There are promises in the Proverbs, but not every proverb is a promise. Let's explore that a little bit. There are promises in the Proverbs, but not every proverb is a promise. First of all, there are promises in the Proverbs. Promises that we really can trust. Take, for example, right at the very start of Proverbs 2, 1 to 15. Let me just read it. I want you to listen for the promise that's in these opening verses in chapter 2. My son or daughter, child, if you accept my words and store up my commands within you, turning your ear to wisdom and applying your heart to understanding. Indeed, if you call out for insight and cry out for understanding, and if you look for it as for silver and search for it as a hidden treasure, then you will understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. 
For the Lord gives wisdom, and from his mouth come knowledge and understanding. He holds success in store for the upright. He's a shield to those whose walk is blameless. For he guards the course of the just and protects the way of his faithful ones. Then you will understand what is right and just and fair, every good path. For wisdom will enter your heart and knowledge will be pleasant to your soul. Discretion will protect you and understanding will guard you. Wisdom will save you from the ways of wicked men, from men whose words are perverse, who have left the straight paths to walk in dark ways, who delight in doing wrong and rejoice in the perverseness of evil, whose paths are crooked and who are devious in their ways. Here in just a few verses, we hear promises. Promises that if we seek for it, we will find. We will understand. We will grow. Promises of success and protection, of discretion and understanding. Even a promise of protection from the wicked. That that's what wisdom gives us. And these Proverbs are designed to guide us toward that. So that we can grow in wisdom. How about this promise? Another one. Listen to advice and accept discipline. And at the end, you will be counted among the wise. There's a promise that the Proverbs gives us. That if we will apply our hearts to wisdom, if we'll listen to advice, if we'll accept discipline, we will grow to become wise. It's an amazing promise. A promise that we should hold on to. We can take them seriously. And as we explore this series this summer, we can learn and grow from that. But, and this is super important, not every proverb is a promise. Not every proverb gives us some guarantee across the board, doesn't matter what the situation is. Proverbs, how they work is they state what is usually true most of the time, all things considered equal. So, they take a long-term view of what is normally the case. This is kind of observational wisdom and truth. A classic example I wanted to bring up is, is this one. I'm even going to use the old King James to quote it. Because that's the way that it often is said. Train up a child in the way he should go, and when he is old, he will not depart from it. Many parents and grandparents that I've spoken to have agonized over this one because they've taken it as a promise. If I trained my child right, then they're going to follow Jesus as adults. And what usually happens when their child makes decisions not to follow Jesus or not to stay faithful or whatever, usually they turn on themselves and say, I must have really messed up as a parent. I must have botched this up. Because this is a promise. I messed up. Therefore, my child is. And we know how how unhelpful that is. Well, the Proverbs would say that usually that's the case. That generally, this is true. That how children are raised is how they live. Generally. But not always. People make choices. And sometimes they choose to reject what they were taught by faithful parents. Here's another one. Proverbs 12, 11. Those who work their land will have abundant food. But those who chase fantasies have no sense. Is that a guarantee? Well, let me ask you this. Have hard-working farmers ever starved due to drought or famine? Yes, they have. Have fanciful dreamers Ever struck it rich, struck it big and got rich? Yeah, and it's happened to them too. But not usually, right? That's not the rule of life. 
When you look down through history, when you look around you, when you even search through your own family tree, you'll see that generally, hardworking farmers eat pretty well. And they usually show evidence of that. People who chase fantasies usually don't end up with much to show for it. That's generally what happens. So there are promises in the Proverbs, promises that we can hold on to, especially the promises about leading us to wisdom so that we can have discerning hearts in those situations under the guidance of the Holy Spirit to be able to know how do we choose what is right? How do we reject what is wrong? So I want to ask you for the summer, a real practical application to our message today. I want to ask you if you'd be willing to get into the Proverbs this summer. I'm going to make a challenge today for every single person here. I don't care if you're in your 90s or if you're five years old. Well, there's probably no five-year-olds here right now, but you know what I'm saying. It applies to your five-year-olds. Let's put it that way. Every one of us, I'd like to issue a challenge this summer that you read a chapter out of Proverbs every day starting Wednesday. Actually, if you start today, you'll be ahead of the, ahead of the curve. But, but here, here's, I'm not a math wizard, but guess what? There are 31 chapters in Proverbs. Anyone want to tell me how many days there are in July? Yeah, 31. How many, you want to guess how many days there are in August? Oh, there's 31 too. Look at that. Perfect. You don't even get a makeup day. Everything's just clear as a bell. If it's July 17th, what proverb am I reading? Yes. If it's August 13th, what proverb am I reading? This is brilliant stuff, isn't it? Isn't this helpful? It's helpful for me. I don't even have to wonder. I know exactly where I'm at. So here's my challenge for every single one of us, without exception. Let's read the Proverbs this summer. Pick up a proverb and read it. You know what? It'll take you longer to brush your teeth. Or it should take you longer to brush your teeth. Read it. Listen to it on audio. It's a great way. Read it to your kids and, and, and uh, you know, explore it with them. Try a couple different translations. The message is great. New Living Translation. Kick it old school with King James. Whatever you want. Uh, try different translations. Uh, find some ones that really make sense to you. But everyone, read it through for the summer. And I don't push you guys to apply things quite this directly all the time, but I'm going to push you right now. Who's in? Who says I'm going to do it? I'm going to read, to the best of my ability, a chapter of Proverbs every day for the summer, July and August. Come on, I want to see your hands. Yep. Excellent. And Doug's even holding up the card. Thanks, Doug. Awesome. This is for everybody, for your kids. Listen to our audio. Pop it in the CD player when you're driving around. Read it at the dinner table. Read it to your kids. It's a lot of fun. So that's for everybody. But I decided to pick a little more of an advanced option from, for some of you keeners. I want to encourage you, each day that you do your reading, you pick a favorite for that day. Or at least do it a few times during the week. Pick a fave. This is actually the great one to do with your kids because there's going to be one that they laugh at. Like, what is it, what is it Ruth? Better to live on the edge of a roof than share a house with a contentious woman? Ruth sent me that one. Or something about a dripping faucet. Oh, I'm not sure what it was. It's in there. There's some good ones. There's ones that'll make you laugh. Uh, there's ones that'll really hit you. But pick a faith. Pick it. Pick it. Even if you just say it out loud. I want to encourage you to move it up a notch. Like, write it on a file card. Or, or maybe you want to do fun with your kids and, and, and copy it out. Post it on Facebook. Do anything you want. But pick a daily favorite, especially one that connects maybe to your situation, your life, one that made you laugh, one that just stood out to you. Pick it out. Pick it out. See, uh, over the summer, 
uh, as you read through the Proverbs, as you take it in, see what some of those cards are. See what some of those favorites are. And as you line, in, uh, line them up, you might notice a consistent theme through the Proverbs as God speaks to you about His wisdom. As you do this, one more thing. As we get on into the summer, I'd like to give opportunities for people to maybe share a story or two. Maybe we'll be going through the Proverbs and you're going to remember a time when your brother did something dumb. <laughs> or you did something really wise. Whatever the story is. Uh, and maybe you'd like to share that. Uh, I, I, I know one of our folks who wasn't able to be here today uh, talked about a proverb that really uh, challenged them around dealing with personal debt. And because of this certain proverb, they polished off a massive amount of debt in three years. So there's ways that maybe a story, a way that a proverb has challenged you a story. So as you're reading through, start thinking, how is this born out in your life or your family's life? And maybe it's a negative story, maybe it's a positive story, but be thinking of that for yourself. And maybe, maybe, just maybe, as we go on through the summer, you'll have an opportunity to share that story uh, with the community. Everyone wants a piece of the good life. And I want to encourage us as we go into this, is there an area of your life you feel like, if you're really honest, if you're really to look in the mirror, you realize it's been characterized more by foolishness or unhealthiness. It's an area of your life where you want to grow in wisdom. Oh, I want to ask you to dig into the Proverbs this summer and let God speak to you through this collection of wisdom sayings to come along in this journey that we as a community could walk with the wise and become wise. Let's pray. Jesus, I thank you for this amazing collection of wisdom sayings that through them we can see and receive guidance to live a truly wise life. We know that following you, Jesus, often entails difficult things. And Jesus, we don't shrink back from that. But we also know that a lot of times the difficulties we experience in life are because, because we're not making wise choices, because we're not pursuing life. And so Jesus, as people, we want to grow in wisdom so that we can become wise. Thank you for the opportunity we have this summer to travel in this amazing uh, collection. In your name we pray. Amen.